Hey, so uh, this is uh, Alistair from the future. Um, yeah, so that episode about um, Moral Event Horizon, yeah, that's not this episode. So, um, yeah, sorry. We'll do that next episode. Sorry, I just, I just had something I really wanted to talk about. So, here we go. may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I am your host, the roguishly handsome, incredibly extreme Alistair Haken. Now, today we're going to have a special episode where this is the second time we're going to respond to... No, no, this is the third time we're going to respond to something. Um, and But it's still a first where we're going to be responding to something music related. Yes, I can't believe... Whoa, <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this, but yes, we're responding to something music related. But first, we gotta we gotta bring back an old an old personal favorite and possibly a fan favorite because the last time I drunk this, I was cutting up. It is the old Smokies butterscotch moonshine. And we're about to cut up in here. We're about to act a fool, alright? Let's let's get a sip of that. Mmm. It's like candy, dude. It doesn't taste like it has like a little tinge of alcohol in there, but let some ice sit in there for like five minutes and watch how that tinge of alcohol disappears. It'll still it'll still screw you up like alcohol though, just because you can't taste it. But that might as well. That's like the butter beer that I had a, a couple of episodes ago, but without the fizz, but a little bit of twang that comes from that alcohol. So instead of the fizz, you get a twang, and it's still. It's still really good. Oh, shut up, phone. Get out of here. Um, I, and we got our my guest Vetra here. Vetra sitting right here. You want to say hi to the people? You want to say what's up? Say what's up. Say something. <laughs> good girl. Good girl. Yeah, guest star Vetra. Um, so let's let's crack it in. Let's let's crack it open. Um, and, and you shut up. You shut up. <laughs> Don't be screaming the entire podcast. You're a guest. This is my show. This is my show. All right. Don't be screaming. All right. So today um, we're going to talk about music. Uh, An album came out um, a few days ago. Uh, Let me see here. Let's see. Oh, shit. Jesus. All right. So it's it's like an article from Vox, if I'm not mistaken. Why is my phone? Bro. My phone's making too much noise, and I don't like it. No, wait. There we go. All right, get that phone out of here. Um, 
Okay, here we go. This article is dog shit, so let's get this started. It's from Vox, and the Ida, the, the article is called Kendrick Lamar's Auntie Diaries is a Clumsy Attempt at Trans Acceptance. Why the controversial song on Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers falls flat. Published May 18th, 2022, which if I'm not mistaken was about three days after the, the song came out. But yeah, you're probably wondering, Alistair, why are we talking about music? This is a this is a podcast about storytelling. Well, that's because this this song is a story in and of itself. It's it's a personal experience, and and that's why it's one of my get these pens out of here. That's why it's one of my favorite songs on the album is because it's a very in, in, intensely personal song that I really I really dig it. It's a great song, and it has a very interesting message at the end. But let's see. Let's get this started. Knowing that it's Vox, I'm gonna I'm gonna need this moonshine. moonshine. All right. <sighs> After a five-year break, rapper and I'm starting the article by the way. Rapper and Pulitzer Prize winner Kendrick Lamar has returned with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, his final album under the Top Dog Entertainment imprint. Blah blah blah. We're, this is just the premise. Okay. We're going to get to the part that's important. The highly anticipated return from the 14-time Grammy winner is muddied with uneasiness by way of homophobic and transphobic slights on track 15 on T-Diaries. Oh, boy. Okay, so with that being said, fair warning. The um, There is a word that I'm going to use that you may not like. It starts with an F, and it's not fuck. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, all right? But then again, I, I low key have a, I low key have an F word pass anyway. So, I have an F word pass and an N word pass. What are you gonna do? Can't do. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. I'm unstoppable. <laughs> All right. The song purports to peer into the pages of Lamar's diary, looking across the years at his relationship with his transgender uncle and cousin. Auntie Diaries wants to reconcile two somewhat opposed concepts, the journey he's been on to understanding his loved ones, and the devotion he still feels to religion and the teachings he grew up learning. Fair enough, that's, yeah, true. It's a deeply felt tension among many in black communities, but Lamar isn't quite able to bring the tension to a place of a proper release. Such heavy subject matter comes at the risk of carelessness due to the use of micro microaggressions that are often seen as harmless to those not on the receiving end, cisgender people. But what? Okay, so like I said, there's a, there's a spicy F word in here that's not the word fuck. Alright? Let me tell you right now, as a cisgender person, that word is aimed at me technically. <laughs> um... If you catch what I'm saying, I mean, I've been kind of avoiding it, but at the same time, you've probably figured it out by now. Um, <laughs> we'll keep moving. Since the album's release, it immediately sparked discourse surrounding Auntie Diaries, questioning if the art and the in and its intended message outweigh the harm done. There seem to be two prominent sides, either prepared to absolve Lamar or condemn him, but it's not that black and white. It's as gray as the world we live in. Well, first of all, my question is, why exactly are we trying to, like, heal something? We're, like, this is, this is, you're, you're, like, front-ending this a bit. 
where you're assuming that Kendrick wrote this as an accepted song in and of itself. Nobody said that. This is a song this is a song about Kendrick's experience with his uncle and cousin. Nobody ever said this was a trans trans uh, acceptance song. Nobody ever said that he was trying to to mend the wounds between the LGBT and the the black community. Nobody ever said you're front loading this. This is nonsense because it's an like I've noticed this about the entire album. It's an immensely personal album that talks about a lot of the experiences that Kendrick has gone through over the past four years. Four, right? When the damn come out five years ago, damn came out in 2017. Alright, some fans are revering the song as pro-LGBTQ+, which, look, only the first four matter to me, buddy. Um, specifically, trans anthem and hip-hop. A revolutionary development for a genre that has long helped fuel the flames of hate towards queer folk. It seems like those people revering it haven't really listened to the song either. Because it's not a song about pro-LGBTQ+. Q, whatever, alphabet, A, alpha, lambda, delta, variant, mastered, class, kingdom hearts, you know? Like, it's not pro, you know, not straight people. It's not what it, that's not what it said. Let's continue. While it is understandable why listeners might come to this conclusion, it is not entirely the case, which I agree, it's not the case. That doesn't mean me and you are friends, though. <laughs> While it is... Oh, wait, no. Although Lamar may be well-intentioned and aiming to tell a story about learning from his ignorant past, his lyrics have not transcended that past. Auntie Diaries falls into harmful tropes, including dead-naming, misgendering, and using a homophobic slur. We're getting closer to that F-word I was talking about. <laughs> so, buckle up if, you're, if, you're, if you need a brace for a trigger. Here it comes. It's coming soon. For those of us living at the intersection of being black and queer, <laughs> moi, good intentions are not enough. I don't really care, personally speaking, but we'll continue. Especially when active harm comes from, comes with them. In black communities that revere religious teachings, queerness, and questions about gender identity are often fraught topics, written off as inherent sins and not up for further debate. Well, I mean, if you... Here's the thing, is that you're trying to... The, the writer of this article is trying to get people... I, I, if you know me, you know I have a big thing about not trying to get people that don't like me to accept me. And the, the writer of this article is trying to get the religious black community, which is more often than not Christian, to accept them when they believe what they do is a sin. Stop. <laughs> okay, stop wasting your time. Stop trying to get people that don't like you to like you. Stop. It's a waste of time. But anyway, where, where was I? There is little space in these communities for the queer black experience, but there's also an expectation that queer black people should be able to understand and forgive religious homophobia. Not necessarily. It's more so um, at the at the family dinner. You kind of just don't talk about it. You kind of dance around it. Like, hey, um, like, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, that I have a boyfriend or anything, but this is a hypothetical situation. Um, like, the, the, like, you know, they'll be like, hey, so who are you seeing? And then, you you know, you're seeing a boy and you don't really want to bring that up. So you just go like, oh, I'm just, you know, just single, you know, just I'm just trying to be single right now. You know, you you pull that shit, um, which, you know, it's because you don't really want to you don't want to rock the boat while, while the family's around. 
I'm the same way around my family when it comes to guns, alright? I don't rock the boat that much with my family. Not really, actually. I'm, I'm known for rocking the boat around my family now that I think about it. <laughs> but anyway. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. And to some degree, we... I can't... There's an I in the middle of that, by the way. I can understand why people cling to a belief system, but then the same grace and understanding must be given to black queer people who believe there was a better way to deliver the intended message of Auntie Diaries. We're getting close to... Um, the objective storytelling stuff that you're known you know from my podcast so it's coming at the beginning of auntie diaries lamar repeats heart plays in ways the mind can't figure out followed by spiritual teacher and number one new york times best-selling author eckhart tolle narrating this is how we conceptualize human beings this intro gives a disclaimer that the track will tell the story of how Lamar grew up and learned how to conceptualize the queer people in his family while in a religious environment that condemned them. Okay, sounds like you understand the concept. Okay. In verse 1, the Compton native recalls misunderstanding his uncle's queerness as a child. Then he shifts to the present day and explains his ideologies and affirms his uncle's gender all while describing all the things he t looked up to him wait wait whoa word salad all while describing all the things he looked up to him for and loved about him weaving back into his mindset as a kid lamar pulls from childhood memories to show it his love for his uncle as a person who was always present in his heart okay no problems here seems like you understand what's going on here the verse articulates the nature verse versus nurture that plays out within children who intrinsically love their family members but learn to resent those who don't conform to the binary. Huh? What? Okay, maybe maybe continuing to read, may, maybe it'll make more sense. Lamar shares his adolescent confusion fueled by the hate he witnessed his uncle experience from their family. Asked my mama why my uncles don't like him that much. And at the parties, why they always want to fight him that much. Alright. Um, still trying to put that together. Um, learn to resent those who don't conform to the binary. Maybe they're saying that um, he learned to... The children learn from their family members how to resent those who don't conform to the binary, I guess. I'm trying to figure out what they mean by that, but we'll continue. For many black queer folks with nieces and nephews, this is the flip side of an experience that rings true. For the past 15 years, I've been in okay. Well, this is this is anecdotal. I kind of want to. I don't want to really want to deal with this right now. Um, let's see. Let me see if I can find the next relevant part. Because that's a, that's a you know that's a subjective thing, really. To to interpret it that way, that's that's subjective. Okay, throughout the song, the homophobic slur appears. This is really I really want to talk about. Throughout the song, the homophobic slur appears first in verse 2. Lamar uses it to admit his adolescent ignorance of the words harm and how it was commonly understood to be synonymous with joking around. All right, last warning. I'm going to say it. All right, here it comes. In verse 2, Lamar raps, back when it was comedic relief to say faggot. Faggot, 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 we ain't know no better. Elementary kids with no filter. 
All right. So there's truth to these bars. Yes, there is. That that it, it's almost as if you get the point, but you're you know arguing in bad faith. To this day, homophobia and transphobia are justified by comedians. Take, for example, in the 2021 high-profile critique of comedian Dave Chappelle's Netflix special, The Closer, which included transphobic jokes, which I, I actually saw part of it. It's actually really fucking hilarious. The defense for many of is that as long as it's meant to be a joke, it doesn't qualify as harm. Yeah, basically. As long as you know. Because the thing is, is that with jokes, you know, you have to... For in order for this is why a lot of left leaning shit is not funny, is because the the key to here's here's a hint for all you comedians out there, the key to making a joke funny is to base it off of some kind of truth. There's truth in jokes. There's it's literally a quote. There is a truth to jokes. There is truth in jest. Like. Like the, the, the age-old joke of why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side. It's funny because you expect it to be a wild, like, you know, reason. But then they just say to get to the other side. And it's a subversion of your expectation. And it's and it makes sense because, like, yeah, the chicken would walk across the road to get to the other side. You know? The, it, it Your jokes can't be... Your, and then here's, second, here's the second rule about jokes. Your jokes have to, it has to come at the expense of somebody. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt, possibly. And you can't, you can't, you know, tiptoe around everybody. You got to be able to pick a target and lob that joke at them. You got to be able to do it. Even if the target is yourself, you got to be able to do it. Those are the two rules of comedy. Pick a target and say something that's true about it. Everything else is your own personal art to it. That's the art side of comedy. All right, let's continue. The ideology is especially present in black religious communities like the one Lamar grew up in. It's an ideology that he tries to critique honestly by stating his complacency, but his delivery is clunky at best. Um, not really, because actually, the let's look back at this. Um, the whole point of him repeating the word is to, is to, is to emphasize how kids, you know, use it on the playground, you know, irreverently. Like it's, it's meant to enhance the story. Like we literally just talked about this, like, I think like last episode where, you know, uh, what's the word? It's explicit content. If you use it correctly, it's tasteful. But if you use it to shock people, it's not tasteful. Like, um... What's that guy's name? Joyner Lucas. Um, he had a song where he threw the word faggot around, and it was just like, why? Like, it didn't add anything to the song. Um, what was the song's name? Maybe it was it was Revenge. It was not Revenge. Um. Anyway, Joyner Lucas used the word in one of his songs, and it literally added nothing. It was literally just thrown in for shock value. Rappers use that word just for just to, just to use it as a mean thing to say. But in this situation, there's context, as in there's a it enhances the story, right? And then um, I forgot the entire reason why I brought that up. 
But yeah, the delivery isn't... I wouldn't say it's clunky. It's literally there to enhance the story. Isn't It's there to like... Um, it, it, there's a re there's a reason for the repetition because like say someone on the playground goes like um oh oh you're a meanie head and then like the kid goes like don't call me meanie head and then the kid says meanie head meanie head meanie head to like you know just to piss you off that's the it, it's there to emulate it's in there to emulate that and enhance the story well let's continue it's not there basically my point is it's not there for no reason but Lamar is as familiar as anyone with the way that words can hurt, especially bigoted words spewed by an outsider. And then this is what makes um, this song interesting. In 2018, Lamar brought a white fan on stage to rap his 2012 track Mad City with him. The fan rapped the lyrics verbatim using the N-word numerous times. This led Lamar to cut the fan off saying, you gotta bleep one single word. This event would serve as an example of the harm bigoted words cause to a community when spewed by an outsider who has no right to reclaim them. At the end of Auntie Diaries, his cousin Marianne says, I'm going to say the N-word, by the way. Kendrick ain't no room for contradiction. To truly understand Love Swish's position, faggot, 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 we can say it together, but only if you let the let a white girl say nigga. Right? And in that time, the, the word faggot is used in a different context but it's still used to enhance the story because his cousin is saying that word to say hey it doesn't mean anything you know to me but for like it doesn't really mean anything to me it, and we could say it together but you can't be a you can't be a hypocrite and tell people tell other people that like you know words don't mean anything but the word nigga like offends you you can't be that way and I'm pretty sure that actually went over the head of the person that write, wrote this article. But while well-intentioned, Lamar still contradicts himself by choosing to say the F-slur on the song in the name of, of art instead of bleeping it out. You gotta bleep one single word doesn't register here for him. That's the point! That's the point! <laughs> you idiot! Oh my god. This ultimately outweighs what is a well-intentioned raw reflection and makes it fall flat. Okay, so since this person skipped one part, let me let me let me look up the official lyrics and show you why that was made in bad faith. All right, let's go down here. Let's read the lyrics. All right, I said them f bombs. I ain't know any better. This is the last verse. Mistakenly, I ain't think that you'd know any different. See, I was taught words was nothing more than a sound. If ever they was pronounced without any intentions. The very second you challenged that shit I was kicking reminded me of a show I did out in the city. That time I brung a fan on stage to rap, but disapproved the word that she couldn't say with me. They skipped over that part. He literally says, See, I was taught words was nothing more than a sound if ever they was pronounced without any intentions. He literally said earlier that he believes that words, basically sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's literally what he said right there, right? But the author of this article doesn't acknowledge that he knows it's a contradiction. You got to bleep one single word doesn't register here for him because he's pointing out how it's a contradiction. Got me stupid. He's pointing out how it's a contradiction to believe that 
you know, words don't mean anything, but this one white girl saying nigga is an issue. He's it, That's the point, is that it's a contradiction, and he's pointing out that it's a contradiction. And ironically, that one time he says nigga, that's the last time he says it in the, in the album. That's the last time he says that word. Isn't that interesting? But let's continue. So that's strike one. It shows that that's strike one that you're doing that's in bad faith. The fact that you skipped over a lyric that that acknowledges your criticism, that's that's bad faith, and that's strike one. Um, another harmful misstep is the song's consistent misgendering, which casts a pall over his attempt to unlearn his ignorance toward queer and trans people. In the song, Lamar raps, My auntie is a man now. I think I'm old enough to understand now. Drinking Paul Masson with her hat turned backwards. While acknowledging his uncle is a man, Lamar is still refers to him as auntie and her, invalidating their gender identity. He does this again in verse 3, but this time also detonating his cousin Marianne. Lamar raps, Demetrius is Marianne now. He's more confident to live his plan now. Okay. So, here we go. So, the, aunt, the part where he says, my auntie is a man now, I think I'm old enough to understand now. That's repeated a few times throughout the... Or specifically, my auntie is a man now, and Demetrius is Marianne now. The reason why it's repeated is because Kendrick is kind of doing what a lot of us do when it comes to transgender and non-binary people, is that we have to constantly remind ourselves that this is not the person that we originally met. We, we may be used to, like, let's say, we may be used to Demetrius, but... You know, it takes time. Like, we've known Demetrius for 15 years, right? And then Marianne showed up in 2021. It's going to take a long time to undo learning that that person is Demetrius. So what this is, is it's it's like a, it's like symbolism. It's like symbolizing the idea in your mind that you have to constantly keep reminding yourself of this person's gender. This is what it's like. Like, um... There was um one person that like I had to catch myself um from misgendering because they said something like um because they were transitioning and they weren't quite done yet so I wasn't sure what to say because my mind wanted to say he but they said she and I was like so I got to remember to say she okay so every time and that this this is what it's like when you have to remind yourself like this this person is a she you have to keep reminding yourself that it's not it doesn't come natural for everybody especially for family members that you've known for ages so that's what that's supposed to emulate i'm not going to i'm not going to attribute that to malfeasance i'm just going to say you know you just didn't get it it went over your head in verse 4, Lamar raps about Marianne, who was more religious and subservient than he was to the spiritual teachings they grew up with. When their preacher singles out Marianne, Lamar begins to question those teachings. He stopped misgendering her, acknowledging that she was exactly who she's always been. The cousin he had loved since childhood. Okay, that's nice. Oh, that's really starting to taste. Ooh, that's really starting to taste like candy. Ooh, that's dangerous. The juxtaposition of religion being, and being queer is one of reality. It's often assumed queer people aren't spiritual or cannot hold certain religious beliefs because many organized religions see us as sinful. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just objectively true. I, I, you know, 
I'm committing sins too by being not straight. <laughs> the same thing happened to me when I came out of 17. This is anecdotal. Um, basically, whenever these anecdotal parts come up, he, they're basically affirming that what Kendrick is putting out is close to reality. Okay, seeing such hate led every, even my own Southern Baptist mother to question her beliefs. We stopped attending church. Something similar clicks for Lamar when his cousin Marianne is singled out by the congregation as he arrives. The day I chose humanity over religion, the family got closer. It was all forgiven. Okay, that's a nice, you know, a nice moment. Lamar's realization that leading with the heart and loving thy neighbor is the way is a testament to his attempt to grow more open-minded. He is trying back. He's tying back into the intro of Auntie Diaries about the battle between heart and mind. It shows that while still ignorant, he is willing to start seeing things differently than what he's known. That sliver of understanding is why I believe the intent behind the song was genuine and not in bad faith. Well, duh. It's a, it's, it, it, what do you mean bad faith? It's not a song trying to appease you. It's a song about his personal experience. It's a song about his personal experience. It's not trying to appease you. It's not trying to go like, oh, look at me. I'm accepting of trans people. Please don't cancel me. That's not what this song is. Sheesh. And why does the URL say transphobic? This article was made in bad faith. That's what it is. But because of this, it can also be a place for him to receive critique and listen to queer and trans folk so that he can become a true ally. Whenever someone calls their group folks, that's a red flag, just so we're clear. Anyway, the subject matter of Auntie Diaries should have been handled with more care. No, that's the point, is that this, this concept, this idea of learning how to maneuver around trans and queer people is not clean. Okay, all right, let's get real for a second. I'm bisexual, right? And it's not and it's not cut and dry as just, I like men and women, right? It's not that cut and dry. And my friends, I had to explain to my friends when I came out. I was like, guys, I think I'm bisexual. And they go like, okay, what, what does that mean? Do you, do you like men and women? Are you only, you know interested in men because you know you're not really getting any luck with women and stuff like that like they start asking questions like that and it's like no i'm not really it's just that i genuinely like you know kind of like guys too and they go like so are you interested in dating a guy and i said no it's it's weird is that i have sexual feelings for men but i would only be in a romantic relationship with women so in the lgbt community that is considered bisexual but hetero romantic you didn't think i knew this i'd be making fun of i'd be making fun of the the alphabet rainbow people all the time but you didn't know you didn't know i did my research i know this stuff or you could also say i am fluid heterosexual you could say that as well but bisexual is a lot easier for people to swallow right and this is the reality is that a lot of straight people don't understand these concepts there is a what is it there is a survey that was done ex accepting or is it what is it? advancing acceptance that's what it's called advancing 
acceptance. And then um, we're going to do the 2021 map or the 2021 um, survey. Okay, so there's one statistic on this um, on this report that's interesting. It's number it's point number three. There is still significant confusion with conversations about gender identity and the LGBT community. All right, so let's look at this. It says percent of non-LGBTQ people of not percent of non-LGBTQ people who strongly slash some agree that LGBTQ people make expectations about gender and how to interact very complicated 54% of people surveyed agreed either strongly or some would agree next one transgender and non-binary people are new and unfamiliar to me 47% strongly or some would agree I am confused by the different number of terms to describe individuals who comprise the LGBTQ community 45% of people surveyed strongly or somewhat agree. And here's the here's the thing is that you don't help anyone. You don't make the LGBT community look any better by admonishing people that don't get things right. Kendrick is trying to show you that he is trying to understand all this stuff, and it's all still somewhat confusing to him. But for you to make this article where, like I said, the URL has transphobic in it, which makes me think this was made in bad fucking faith, you don't help people understand LGBT people. Like I said, I dropped the Q because Q is kind of redundant in this, in this, in this, what is it, acronym. It's kind of redundant. But let's continue. God, I don't even want to read this next part because it looks stupid. All right. The subject matter of Auntie Diaries should be should have been handled with... Wait, did I skip a part? Okay, no. Should have been handled with more care. True allyship requires nuance and with more actionable methods. His intentions would be clear cut. Perhaps a feature from a queer... See, this is where... this is. I'm about to rip into this this person because this is where it, this is what it really is right here. Perhaps a feature from a queer rapper who could directly speak to the audience of receiving such such hate from family would have helped the the case here. There are many queer rappers who could have fulfilled this gap, including Santana, Lil Nas X, Isaiah Rashad, and others who have the background to discuss these issues. I'm gonna finish the article before I rip into this paragraph. In moments like this, it's important to amplify and listen to the critiques of queer and trans people who want to be... That's exactly why que, the, the Q is not in my acronym, by the way. Um, who want to be respected as the human beings we are. For many cisgender heterosexual people, doing the bare minimum is seen as full acceptance, despite ignorantly misgendering, deadnaming, and using the F slur the way Lamar did. Okay, so the, I forgot to acknowledge the dead naming thing. The dead naming thing also plays into the the auntie is a man now thing, where he has to remind himself that Demetrius is not Demetrius anymore. He's Marianne, or she's Marianne now. And then um, in that and I believe that the misgendering really adds to the confused nature that a lot of cisgendered heterosexual people go through, where. They're confused about what pronouns do you. There's literally, there is literally a clip of the Hodge twins, um, when Bruce Jenner first came out as trans and transitioned, 
um, into Caitlyn Jenner that they were not sure what pronouns to use for her. They weren't sure. And that's why you need to be more understanding of cisgender heterosexual people because they don't understand. And then when you slap them on the back of the head constantly for getting this wrong, guess what? 0.5 of the advancing acceptance uh, survey. Number five, LGBTQ people report experiencing discrimination at higher levels in 2021 than 2020. Reports of anti-LGBTQ, oh my God, I'm slipping all over the place on this survey. Reports of anti-LGBTQ discrimination have increased over the past year, with six in 10 LGBTQ people reporting discrimination based on their sexual orientation and or gender identity. Spoiler alert, normal people are fucking tired of you guys bullying them for not getting this weird shit right. That's the truth. I hate to break I hate to break it to you. I hate to drop this anvil on you, but guess what? Here's a trope for you. Some anvils need to be dropped. You people always act like they're like everyone's acting in bad faith. And I'm not talking about LGBT people. I'm talking about the the LGBT community weirdos that like to police cisgendered heterosexual people. You people make us look bad. Like you people make us look bad. Like we can't we can't handle a joke. We can't handle someone saying, you know, making a joke, or you, we can't handle someone getting our sexuality or our gender wrong or something. Like. You people make people, make normal people treat us like babies. It's really irritating, dude. And this article is proof of it. And let's read this last, let's read this last passage in this dog shit article. Many of us understand that breaking the binary one was taught is a process but are we not deserving of that same grace and understanding to be heard loved and shown humanity you're not showing humanity with this article i believe we are and it starts with us with hearing us out about our firsthand experiences when we call out the harm done to our community give us the grace to listen that's the problem like i said that's the problem is that you want everyone else to listen but you're not listening back you're not listening to what normal people are saying like this, like the survey said, for 54% of people surveyed say that LGBTQ people make expect expectations about gender and how to interact with them very complicated. You don't listen back. They, You expect normal people, straight people to listen to you, but you don't, ex you, you don't listen to them when they say, you're making this fucking complicated. And then the, the last statistic I want to point out is that um, one that should really show you how people, people view the LGBT community right now. Number four, non-LGBTQ Americans are still most uncomfortable with learning that their child has a lesson on LGBTQ history in school. You know why? Because you people have made this perception of LGBT people hostile. You've made people view us as hostile, as touchy, as like children. Like we cannot be, we cannot be, hand, we can't handle things. We're not tolerant of people making jokes about us. Because I'll tell you what, what I do, what, what me and my friends do, we joke about us not being, there's like three of us in our friend group that are not straight. And we always joke about how we're not straight. We joke about it all the time. 
And this article right here is the prime example of why people look at us so fucking weird. Like I said, I hate to be the the bearer of bad news, the killjoy, the guy that dropped the anvil, but this anvil needed to be dropped, buddy. Because this is this right here is the reason why people don't want to bother with us. And that's all I got for today. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this butterscotch drink and probably get a get a cigar, maybe record another podcast episode while we're at it. But I have been your host. Whew, wait, hold up. Let me let me clear the air for a second because that was um <laughs> that ending was a little intense. All right, let's let's breathe for a second. C- breathe with me. <sighs> all right, that was intense. I know that was intense. I'm sorry. But I get heated because because um, I always have to give people that caveat when I first come across them and they find out I'm bisexual. I always have to give that caveat. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of those weird ones that's like, you know, super sensitive. You know, I always have to come across that caveat on top of the fact that if it's a male, I have to I have to tell them that I'm not going to hit on them or anything like that. But <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that, that, I'm sorry I got really heated there. It's just stuff like this angers me because it's stuff that directly affects me and the way I interact with people on the regular basis. Um, so yeah, um, I have been your host, the not straight, very, very tired Alistair Haken. I will see you beautiful people on the next episode. Ta-ta for now. Hey, girl. Listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 